wrapping up our uh, series today, Who Are You? And as followers of Jesus Christ, you are who God says you are. And when you know who you are, it changes how you make decisions in your life. It'll change your priorities, your attitude. It'll change how you use your time, your talents, your energies. It will change everything. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do in life. It is defining. So I want to ask you something. When, what do you think of when you hear the word Christian? You know, the answer to that question, I mean, it varies according to who you talk to. You know, some people would say, well, I, I think of someone whose life was changed by Jesus Christ. Uh, they, they're a person that loves God. They're, they're usually uh, kind and compassionate, typically pretty generous. As a general rule, they're usually people of integrity. Others would say this, Christians, well, they're judgmental. They're out of touch. They're narrow-minded, uh, pushy, phony, hypocrites. You know, Christians are, are known for what they're against in life. They're against anything that's fun. And in fact, they're even against each other many times. But what do you think of when you hear the name Christian? Now, you may find this interesting, but Jesus never used the term Christian. Now, there's nothing wrong with the term. I, I use it often. But the term, it means different things to different people. And that term Christian... When it was first used, it was to make fun of Christ's followers. The, the Greek for it was Christianos. And it was used by non-believers, and they were making fun of Christians. You're a bunch of little Christs, you know, Jesus wannabes, so to speak. Which, if you think about it, it's kind of a compliment, because they, that's what we're to be about but it was first intended to be a derogatory term. Jesus never asked anyone to be a Christian. Jesus asked people to be something else. He called people to be disciples. You know, Matthew 9, 9, it says, and Jesus was walking along. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, tax collectors were despised in that day. In fact, many considered them to be criminals and uh, out, of, out of order. But Jesus goes to Matthew, and he says, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus didn't ask Matthew to believe what he believed, he didn't ask him to be a Christian. He didn't ask him to go to church or temple. He didn't ask him to follow some set of rules in life. No, Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple. Will you leave where you are right now and follow me? And scripture says, Matthew got up and he followed you know, the, that Greek word uh, that's translated disciple, it means learner, pupil, follower. 
See, Jesus never said, hey, come be a Christian. He says, come be a disciple. Come be a a leader and a learner and a pupil. You know, come follow me, Jesus says. In other words, I'm not asking you to believe what I believe. No, it's more than belief here. I'm asking you to live like I live, to love like I love. I'm asking you to do what I do. I'm asking you to follow me, Jesus says. You know, let's do life together. Let's change the world together. I'm not inviting you to join a church, not asking you to be a part of a club or some belief system. No, Jesus said, I'm inviting you into a personal relationship with me. I'm inviting you to be my disciple. Christ followers, who are you? You are not just a Christian. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus died on the cross for you. You belong to him. You're called to be a disciple. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's who you are. You're in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I will tell you that requires time on your part. It's like any relationship. The more time you invest, the more you get out of it, right? In other words, you can't be a part-time disciple. You know, it can't be, hey, I'll kind of hit and miss at this, see what happens. No, when you're being trained by someone, or mentored maybe, What you do, you grab every opportunity that you can to spend with that person so that you can learn. You don't just throw a few minutes at it once in a while. Hey, I got five minutes. What do you got for me? Give it to me. Come on, come on, quick. That's not a relationship, is it? No, being a disciple means spending time with Jesus Christ. John 12, it says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must what? Follow me, because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. That, that's a powerful statement right there. And, and when I read that, there, there are several things that hit me. And then first of all, being a disciple is a choice. It doesn't just happen. It's not automatic. It's a choice that you make. Jesus says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. In other words, you can't sit idle. You got to be moving in your life. And, And movement, I will tell you, requires commitment in life. This is true in every single area of your life. If you want to see movement, it requires commitment on your part. And when you make a commitment to whatever it is, you grow in that area. It'll help you make it through the the really tough decisions in life. It'll give you the strength to endure, to see it through, not quit and give up. I mean, I'll say something to you that you can just tuck this back. But if you do not learn to make commitments in life, you will remain immature. Your commitments will define your life. And if you commit to the wrong things, 
Well, you'll waste your life is what you'll do. The, the fact is you are the sum total of whatever it is you commit to. And just an FYI here, if you commit to everything, you're actually committed to nothing, all right? Choose wisely. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ requires commitment. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is also about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Again, I want us to get this clear. Being a Christian is not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about ritual, or it's not about some formula that you put together in life. The fact is, it's not about a bunch of expectations that you're supposed to live up to. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about spending time with God. Jesus says, my, my servants must be where I am. And I think, well, okay, well, what's that mean for us today? Because, I mean, obviously, we, we can't physically follow Jesus around. You, you can't go somewhere and, like, hang out with Jesus, right? But you can talk to him. You can have a conversation with him throughout the day. You know, I, I, I talk to Jesus, I talk to God all, all the time. You know, and I have never... Uh, audibly heard God's voice, all right? But I've sensed God in my life. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll be having a conversation with someone, whether it be out in the commons or the grocery store or something, and I'll, they'll be telling me about what's going on in their life, and, you know, I'm listening to them. And I'll be honest, sometimes I'm thinking, God, I do not have any idea how to help them. You know, I'm, I'm not sure what to say. And here's the amazing thing. God, many times through the Holy Spirit, will just prompt me or give me some insight or I'll have some thought pop in my head. And friends, I will tell you that only a relationship with God will allow those kinds of things to happen. You know, I talk to God when I'm reading my Bible. Talk to God when I'm driving. You know, sometimes I've got a tough decisions, I'll talk to God about it. When I'm down, I talk to God. When I'm thankful, when I'm celebrating, I'll just talk to God. And I'll have those moments when I'll see something like a really cool bird or something when when I'm chilling out, and I'll be like, wow, that's beautiful. It's amazing. I mean, only you, God, could create something like that. But it's just this ongoing conversation. And friends, I've been having that kind of conversation most of my life. And I was thinking about when I first started talking to God, I'll be honest, it was kind of a one-way conversation. You know, it was me talking, venting, you know, begging, you know, asking God for something, me working through stuff and like, okay, God, what do I do next? And and I didn't hear God at first. But over time, I started sensing things. And I would think, I think, I think that's God. That kind of felt like the Holy Spirit giving me a little nudge or a prompt or an insight. And so I would take and test that thing, 
see if it was from God. And my, my test was, okay, does it line up with Scripture? You know, is it, if it goes against Scripture, I was out. It's like, okay, that's not God. But, but if it lined up okay with Scripture, I, I would just step into it, you know. In those, those little, little thoughts, I'd think, yeah, it, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit. I better get to it. As I spent more and more time doing that, those thoughts, those little prompts, they started getting clearer and clearer. They were easier for me to read. And I knew I was supposed to take the next step. Friends, if the only time that you spend with God is when you happen to make it to church, it is no mystery why you're so confused in life. I mean, if the only time you talk to God is when you got a crisis going on or a problem, well, let me ask you this. What does that say about your relationship with God? Christ followers, who are you? You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're in a personal relationship with Jesus. And when you know who you are, you know what to do in life. You know, disciples, we, we, we must love Jesus above everything and everyone else. You know, Jesus says this. He says, those who come to me can be my disciples unless they love me more than they love their father and mother, wife, husband, children, brothers and sisters, and themselves as well. That's kind of hard to process, isn't it? But, but Jesus is saying that your love for God, it, it should be so intense that everything else and everyone else pales in comparison to that. Now, please understand, this doesn't mean that you don't love other people. In fact, I would argue that the more you love God, the more you love people. Your, your love for God, though, it should be first. It should be foremost. It, it reigns supreme. That love for God is expressed in, in worship. I mean, when you spend time with God regularly, when you realize what God's done, what God's doing in your life, what happens is your, your love grows, and I think worship becomes natural. You know, that thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for being there. Jesus says, you must love. You must love me more than anything else. Spiritual growth is measured by how much you love. This is going to surprise some of you. It's not measured by how much you know. It's not measured by how many verses of Scripture you can quote. It's not measured by what you say. It's not measured by how many Bible studies you're in or how many times you've attended church. Your spiritual growth is measured by how much you love God. And when you love God, it spills into the rest of your life, into the lives of people that are around you. You learn to love you know, one day uh, Jesus was teaching, and there was a guy who's intently listening to Jesus. 
And when Jesus finished speaking, he, he approaches Jesus and he says, what, what is the most important commandment? Jesus replies, he says, the most important one is this. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is the only God. Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Just curious, do you love God more than anything else? Because whatever you love the most, you will worship. You will sacrifice for it. In other words, if you love your job above everything else, if it, it's what you love the most, you'll worship it. If you love money, if that's what's most important, well, you'll worship that. Whatever you worship, you will give your very best to. That's a good way to get at it. It's like, okay, what am I giving my best to? You know, the, that Greek word for worship, uh, it literally means to kiss, to show affection, to shower with love. And you don't care what people think. You don't care what it costs you. You don't care what the sacrifice is. You just want to show love for. Does that sound like your relationship with God? Jesus says your love for God is the most important thing. You got to get a handle on it. And then he goes on, he says the second most important commandment, you notice the guy didn't ask this, but Jesus goes, oh yeah, by the way, let me give you the second one here. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, when I read that, I think uh, a couple things. First of all, I think we're to love one another. You know, and loving one another is more difficult than loving God, isn't it? I mean, God's easy to love. God's perfect. You're not. (laughs) And I'm not. In fact, let's just be honest. Sometimes we're irritating, right? Obnoxious, rude, self-centered. Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciples, you can't just love God. You've got to love one another. You know, through the years, I'll hear people once in a while, they go, well, I love Jesus. I mean, I really love God, but I can't stand the church. You know, I love Jesus... Well, Christians, eh, not so much. If you're a Christian, you're called to love one another. Imperfect, foul-prone, sinful people. You're called to that. You see, the, the church mattered so much to Jesus that he was willing to die for it. And by the way, it's the only thing that will last into eternity, are Christ followers. You know, Walmart, it won't last. Apple, it's not going to last. The Democratic, the Republican Party, they will not last. 
America won't even last. Only the church, the family of God, will live on into eternity in heaven. As Christ followers, we are called by God to love one another. Jesus said, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a what? A liar. Come on, say it with gusto. A liar. (laughs) And if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? We're to love one another. We need each other. In fact, that term one another, 58 times in the New Testament, we're given these one another calls by God. We're to care for one another. We're to help one another, serve one another. We're to encourage one another. We're we're to pray for one another. We're to love one another. It's what we're to be about as Christians. And then Jesus says, well, hey, I want to take this love thing up a notch. Not only are you to love other Christ followers, not only are you to love God, but you're supposed to love, you ready for this? Everybody in the world. What? You gotta be joking me. Even people that are far from God, Jesus says, you're you're to love them. You know, a relationship with Jesus is different from every other major religion in the world. If you look at Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam, the more holy you become, the more isolated you become, the more you distance yourself from people. Well, Jesus teaches the exact opposite. You know, Jesus Jesus says, you don't isolate. I mean, Jesus, he's in the marketplace. Jesus went to parties. In fact, so much so, they called him a drunkard. You know, Jesus was friends with sinners. Jesus loved God above everything else, but he had a deep, deep passion and love for people. People who loved God, people who didn't know God, and get this, even people that were a long way from God. He had a deep love. We're to be imitators of Jesus Christ. Who are you? See, when you know who you are, you know what to do. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called by God to love and reach other people, people who don't know God, people who don't have a relationship with God. If you're a disciple, You are to shine. You're to be a light to a lost world. And get disciples? Make disciples. You're a Christ follower because somebody told you about Jesus. Who are you? You're a disciple. You're, You're to love people enough that you're willing to take the risk and share your faith. I'm not asking you to be obnoxious, but to go, this is so important to me. 
I can't stand it. I've got to, out of love, share. You know, the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, this is after the resurrection, he's getting ready to go to heaven. And I think it should tell us where his heart was, but he says, go then to all people everywhere and make them disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. Why make disciples? Hmm. Well, because eternity's in the balance. Because Jesus tells us to. Because we love and care about all people. And because disciples, well, that's what we're to be about, making disciples. See, when you know who you are, it makes it much easier to know what to do in life. I mean, what do you do? Well, whatever God wants you to do. You know, when it makes sense and when it doesn't make sense. You know, when it's popular and when it's not popular. You know, when it's easy and when the cost is huge. You just do whatever it is that God calls you to do. You see, not only do you listen to God... But disciples, well, they're obedient. I I think one of the most known scriptures is the truth will what? Say free, see, we we know this one. Most people do not know the first part of that verse. It says, Jesus said to those who believe in him, if you obey my teachings, you're really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the idea there is centered around obedience. And, and this isn't a one-time thing, like, yep, I was obedient, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Don't have to worry about it anymore. No, it, it's continual obedience. It's actually got the, the idea of growing obedience, over and over and over again. And as we're obedient, we we grow. It's not how much you know, friends. It's about obedience. It's how much you love God and how much you obey God in your life. You know, when when you run across a, a Bible verse that challenges you, that you don't like. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you try and explain it away? Or do you just obey it? Because here's what I figured out. You either believe God's word's true or you don't. And what you believe in life, you obey. And when you feel God and the Holy Spirit prompting you to to do something, you know, maybe to reach out to someone or maybe God prompts you to go help somebody or or take a stand on something or step in on behalf and protect somebody. The fact is, the question that you've got to grapple with is, are you going to be obedient in that? When, When you're obedient to God get this, it'll set you free. 
You go, what? Well, it sets you free from the expectations of other people, first of all. It'll set you free from, from guilt and shame and fear and anxiety, some of the things that are so prominent in life. Because when you obey God, it means you trust God, and a lot of that stuff just goes by the wayside. And obedience leads to freedom. Now, maybe not overnight, okay? But as you walk with God, and as you continue to obey God, what you will find is somewhere along the way, you will find freedom in your life. And guess what? You'll become more and more like Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus says, but if you remain in me, and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Hmm. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great joy to my Father. Now, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, kind of in closing. Are you growing in your faith? Let me ask it different. Are, are you growing in your obedience? Are, are you producing fruit in your life? Are, are you bringing glory to God with what you say and do in life? Are you pointing people to God? If they were to watch you, would they go, I want what they got? Who are you? You are who God says you are. You are called by God. Creator of this universe, the one that holds the moon and the stars and the planets in place. And when you know who you are, you absolutely know what to do in life. You do. Who are you? Who are you? Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, I thank you that you loved us enough to send your son. God, I am blown away by your love. And God, I pray for every person here, every family that... They'd learn to love you above all else. God, that you would help us to love one another, even when sometimes we're not very lovable. And God, help us to love whoever's put into our sphere of influence, people around us, family, friends, co-workers, classmates, Neighbors, Lord, help us to just show your love to them. God, may we be your disciples. Where you send, we'll go. You need us to be your voice, we'll, we'll say it. If we just need to listen, we'll do it. 
we need to help someone we're in. Whatever it is, Lord, may we be obedient to you. God, I thank you for this day, all the opportunities before us. We give you the glory with all we say and do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's people said, you may remain seated. Uh, there'll be prayer teams down here the, this morning after service. If you need prayer for something, uh, you know, just come down and let them pray for you. You don't have to tell them anything or you can tell them what you want. But uh, Scripture says we pray for one another. There's power in that. And uh, so there'll be prayer teams down, down front. Uh, just remain seated. They're going to share with us and worship, and then uh, we're going to go out and uh, have a good time at the picnic, and I'm guessing it's not raining at this point, so...